You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 9, episode 48. Uh, I'm John, and joined tonight by John. You alright? Yeah, I'm okay. It was a slower day work today, if I'm being perfectly honest, but at least I've got um, you guys um, to keep me sane for the next hour or so. You're expecting us to keep you sane? <laughs> Try. <laughs> Try. Well, it might not be helped by the fact that Chris is back. I mean, he's uh, going to... He's, he's surely got a wee bit of chatting to be done. He's missed a couple of weeks or so. How are you doing, Chris? I'm alright. Uh, I spend most of my day chatting these days. It's just everything gets done over Microsoft Teams. So. Aye. <laughs> Yeah, I've used a wee bit of that and Zoom as well. Zoom's alright for the fun stuff, but work stuff it's just awkward talking to folk via Zoom, I think. Um, but yeah. I long for the day that we're back in the office, let's just say it makes life a lot easier. Um, so I we're pleased to announce we've got another guest on this week as well. Um, so we have Head of Community Development at SFA, uh, Dyslexia Scotland Ambassador and Board Member at St Mirren Charity Foundation. Paul McNeil, how you doing, Paul? I'm all right, guys. Yourselves? Yourselves? Good to hear from you. Good. I'm knackered after that introduction, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I was, I was going to be a minute here. Look <laughs> 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 at my CV. I once did a test championship with the scouts, you know, if you want to add that in. <laughs> it's, going, it's on your Twitter. It's on your Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, how you doing? You getting on all right? I'm doing all right, guys. Probably the same you're saying at the moment in time. Spending far too much time sitting, staring at screens. Uh, rather than being outside uh, doing stuff that we love, but um, that's the unfortunate nature of this um, crisis that we we face ourselves in. So, aye, a wee bit different, a wee bit different in normality. I would I would say just now. How's the videos going um, that you've been putting on? Um, you haven't fallen over yet, have you? <laughs> no, or do they not make it to Twitter? <laughs> No, 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 no. You only put you only put the good attempts on into it. People say that. I think I must have a series of bloopers um, on on the other ones that um, I fall over sometimes, or, or or it goes wrong, or you forget to record it, which is usually the, the really classic one. Nah, they're all going well. I think all we're trying to do just now is, is keep as many people motivated as we possibly can, and um, try and keep a wee bit of a smile on everybody's face. I think that's the most important thing just now is keep humour up and keep a bit of banter up and. Um, I think that's the most important thing just now for a lot of you. Oh, yeah. Mental health is obviously a big thing, um, you know, for ourselves, um, and it's a very testing time mentally for everyone just now. So, you know, whatever keeps everyone um, positive is always a good thing. So agree. So agree. Uh, so. I was going to start off, we've got breaking news from tonight about the West of Scotland Football League. Uh, we've been talking about it the last few weeks, there's been a few twists and turns since we, we initially thought it was going to be four conferences. Um, so, late in the middle of last week or so, we found out there's going to be a, a 20-team uh, league at Tier 6, which there was a few complaints about. Um, and tonight we found out the set-up of the three conferences of all that at Tier 7. I don't know if you guys had seen that yourselves, but that was within about the last hour or so I've seen that. No, that was bedtime routine for the wee man, so no, I've seen none of it. <laughs> That's the first I've heard. 
So I have they got the agreement of all the clubs though. This has been one of the issues. Well, I think it must do because it's on the West Scotland Football League website now. It's a major to check that first and it's, the tweets are coming from them. So you would think that the agreement's been made, however, we thought that other agreements have been made previously, so uh, can I wait and see? But I think the twenty team thin it to your such is alright. I wonder how they'll get all the games played, mind you, but um <laughs> that's a different story. Um it's got nothing. Are they still keeping like, all the cups that the juniors used to have? I know they've obviously got the Scottish Junior Cup, but uh, what about you know some of the other regional cups? Because I think there was about five, was there not? I was quite a few, obviously. I have always mentioned the fact that I almost had a club game every week, it seems. Um, I don't know. The only one that's been the announced certainly was that the Junior Cup was still going to get played with the teams that are, are in the, the conferences. So whether that be... I imagine that's the three conferences plus uh, the tier such as well. Um Whatever happens to your like see your West of Scotland Cup. Your, I mean the West of Scotland Cup I think might not be played by the teams in the the new setup because obviously the Lone League setups get their own kind of cup like that. So you'd be struggling you'd be playing every day, I think, if you played all the cups and played all the new setup as well. Um so it's interesting times who knows when we're going to get football played anyway so um, but at least they've got some kind of plan in action now and uh, we can look forward to it when it eventually kicks off yeah I don't know do a lot of it juniors as you know um, so but it just seemed as though everything was rushed in um, but yeah, no matter, it's like anything else, you know, we're obviously talking a wee bit about league reconstruction in the senior setup. Um, it's pleasing everyone's almost impossible, um, but as long as you can get the majority of a consensus and it's done um, amicably, then it's it's, it's better, but yeah, I think that's hard. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding as well, because everyone was assuming it was going to be the same as when the Easter Scotland League changed, but however... The Easter Scotland League is already established before the East Junior teams join that, so it's a bit of a different situation, whereas this is a brand new league set up, effectively, the West of Scotland Football League, so that's probably where it kind of differs. Um, and then, aye, it's just, it's just a case of whether you rightly or wrongly um, agree that it should have just been seeded on the, the top teams from last year, or whether it should have been split in terms of conferences and maybe that would help the money kind of go around a wee bit more. But it's done now, so that's it. Anyway, we think. <laughs> <laughs> you follow the juniors much yourself, or eh, Paul? Yeah, well, I used to play. I played. I, I see. Um, I see. Um, I'm, I'm interested for a for a part of that. Um, particularly, it will be interesting for, from a from my point of view, from a seeing uh, St Caddocks and um, Drumchapel. I mean, it's two clubs that we've worked with over the years, and and to see them actually now in and a structure of football will be really interesting. It'll be really interesting. We've worked with them for, gosh, a good part of 10, 15 years now. And, you I mean, it's it's just an interesting journey that some of these clubs are going on. You I mean, I'm thinking St Caddocks, if memory serves me right, I think they're in with kind of like Renfrew, Port Glasgow Juniors, Dorai, I think. Oh, God, I'm now struggling. I remember a few of them from this morning. Royal Albert, I think, was another one I, I seen in there this morning. Yeah. Oh, sorry, earlier on the day that... That we're in. So you I mean these are these are some good community clubs. I mean I, I let I let down and or, or I was a glorified sub for um, Johnston Borough and, and Neilston. So it'll be really interesting, as you say, to see what what transpires over the over the coming years. Um, 
and that, you know, I mean, I go back to I go back to when I started watching football, which isn't yesterday. You know, I mean, it's in the seventies, um, and uh, you mean there wasn't any relegation from the the top flight at all. Teams finished in the, the bottom division, and um, and there was nothing. So it's you I mean if if you look back and you bought the wee red book and you go back and you you look at that one from probably the early eighties, th- there was no movement. So it's it's really interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting as you say, twists and turns along the road. But no, I, I I'm I'm quite I'm I'm delighted to see what happens to St Cadets and Drumchapel and teams like that have come in um, just because of what they've done over the last few years and because I've been quite close to seeing their development. So no, it'll be really interesting period in time in football. I definitely don't think that has been decided as after the first season a team from each conference will get promoted into the tier six. Yeah. So that's good in terms of seeing progression because that's something we've spoken about in terms of different setups and that. So. Yeah, interesting. Uh, reconstruction then in the, the kind of senior leagues still kind of obviously trying to get decided. Katash, you've no brawn for a few weeks. You love that stuff. <laughs> you must jump in a bit. I love it when it's ambitious. Um, the, the tweet I seen this morning, um, which suggested that there was only really two proposals were likely to fly. One was uh, 14, 10, 10, 10, and the other was three 14s. And League 2 have already said they're only going to vote for the three 14s. Um, I'm not exactly um, excited at the prospect of anything that's been talked about recently, unfortunately. Um, 14s might be better, but um, it was odd back in the day that you had 14 in the, the third tier um, a few years ago when they played 39 games a season um, that's what I went to the four weeks that was. I think the the, the 314s is a bit of the usual problem of self-preservation um, so the likes of Brora and, and Kelly are going to be missing it if that goes to uh, whether it's the best auction for Scottish football I don't know I'll wait and see what else comes out of it, to be honest. But I'm, I'm not overly excited what's happening at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I know Rory Hamilton for um, BT interviewed both Barry Ferguson and the broader manager. I can't remember who the broader manager's name, unfortunately. Um, but um, apparently the two of them are... Then, well, they're obviously not going to be too happy that they're, um, they're effectively being denied. Now, let's, let's get this point clear. Um, if the... The league had been continuing as it as it should have been before this virus hit. Um, Broden um, and Kelly Harps would have been playing each other for the right to play Breaking City for that um, remaining spot, um, assuming Breaking finished bottom, which they likely would have done. Um, but what's effectively happening now is that the two of them are being denied that opportunity, which I think is wrong. Um, I guess it's obviously not a um, an ideal situation. Um, I think the 14-10-10-10 is probably the better option from that point of view to let them in. But I think what the League 2 clubs have effectively decided is there's a new TV contract coming in. Some of that's going to filter in uh, down to lower leagues. We don't want to share that. That's effectively what it's coming down to for me. But that's just my opinion. Um, and people can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I have a nagging suspicion nothing's going to change. I think what we're going to end up having is the Premiership gets ended prematurely um, and Hearts have been relegated because I don't think the 14-14-14 is going to go anywhere. I, I don't think it'll get enough support. And then you go back to square one now. 
I've seen there was talking looking at England just taking a take away from Scotland they were looking at possibly the fact that that season they might not have any fans at the games they can we've spoken about that before though that, they can manage financially with regards to that but then there was the, talk of like a 23 team top league which was then kiboshed yeah the premiership the Premier League could cope with that but you're, the likes of your Cheltenham couldn't yeah that, that's the biggest problem facing Scottish football we're all the reconstruction talks is moving deck chairs and mumping and moaning about voting stuff that happened a few weeks ago that's still ongoing with the upcoming EGM um, is deflection from what's really important. The, the Scottish football is the the top of the uh, table when it comes to European leagues that rely on gate receipts. Nothing comes close to Scottish football on that. So not being able to get people in the doors is going to be absolutely devastating for Scottish football. I'm mm-hmm. majorly concerned. I was reading what um, the Chief of Allah was saying. Um, I forgot his name. Mike Mulroney. Mike that's it. Aye. Um, I was reading what he had to say about that on uh, Sunday. On the newspapers. Just Thanks, Paul. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think th- that's where the focus needs to be on. It's how do we get through this period of where we went to get people in the grounds? And how do we survive it? He's saying things like, like the part-time teams might actually be in a better position than the full-time teams because of the way they operate. And he could be right. Um, so we might be seeing individual clubs having major financial issues just in the coming weeks and, and months ahead that we might not see all 42 teams that we've got now so we're, the reconstruction talks we're having at the moment might be completely irrelevant but nobody seems to be focusing too much on it it's just in the last few days a couple of clubs have been coming out saying it yeah I mean we've obviously had, we had Kevin Harper on in, uh, in Thursday we were talking about the fundraising that uh, Albion Rovers um, fans had done to um, bring money into the club that they raised 12,000 12 and a half thousand out of a 10,000 target which is tremendous um, but how long that will say well he can tell he's not a businessman he's a manager but that might get them through a few weeks of the summer it certainly won't get them through the start of a football season without any paying fans paying season tickets and buying pies and bovros etc at the ground as well and these are things that have got to be taken into consideration it's just obviously we're in a position where you don't know what the best thing's going to be um how long is this is the lockdown going to um, go on for first? Um, I can tell you right now it's not going to um, end of the Friday. Um, <laughs> that's certainly not going to happen. But um, And when the lockdown does eventually get lifted, what are the restrictions going to be? Um, it's just a testing time, not just in football, but, um, you know, you know, for businesses all across the country and worldwide. It's just a really testing time for everyone. I've done news in Scottish people last week, which would be a bit of a surprise. Tommy Wright, leaving St. Johnson. Mm-hmm. The best ever manager, you think? I would say so. Um, got a Europe consecutive, what was it, four consecutive seasons he got them into Europe, um, or four out of five, whatever it was, winning them the Scottish Cup, their first ever trophy, um, and their first ever Scottish Cup final. It was a great day for um, the club. Um They've got through a couple of rounds of Europe as well. Consecutive top six finishes. Uh, last couple of years have obviously been challenging with uh, Rangers and Hibs being back in the league. Um, 
but they've still survived comfortably. I mean, even at the start of the season when they started pulling over that 7-0 defeat by Celtic and it took them a while to get their first win, they've went such a good run that they've, they're actually closer to the top six than they are to relegation. Um, so, no, I think it's uh, he's been a terrific manager for them, but there comes a shelf life, and there was hints at the start of the year that he was there was a frustration with the board about certain things like budgets, etc., which is understandable. And yeah, it's probably as good a time as any for him to go. Um, is he going to go to the Northern Ireland job? He's certainly going to be one of the favourites. Um, but no, I think he can go down as. You know, when we when we did the decade review, um, I said that he would be up there for one of the best managers of the decade. It's not a bad show. He'd certainly be a contender, eh? What one thing I did read that was quite interesting, in fact, I never knew this until I read that he'd left, was the fact that he was going to stay in Perth and his wife was still in the Belfast, I think. So that must have been difficult as well for seven years he was there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been a big thing. Maybe that's the secret to a long last marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on that note, we'll move on from uh, the Scottish football because we do have a guest. Um, so, um, so thank you very much, first of all, for coming on, Paul, um, and to your employers for letting for letting you come on. Um, so, just for those who don't really know you, just tell us a bit about yourself. I know John did a great intro, but... <laughs> I know John did well there, didn't he? He gave um, everything that I do, um, apart from wash the dishes, I think. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you I, wash I, I get to dry in the house, Sam, though I like to wash. <laughs> Dishwasher's broken a moment in time, I'm gutted. I'm absolutely gutted. Oh. First, world, first world problems, eh? First world problems. No, um... Uh, a, bit, a bit of context or a bit of background, well, uh, as you say, I work for the Scottish FA, I am uh, Head of Community Development, I've been what, with the association now for, um, gosh, 14, 15 years, something like that, but um, I think my, my background is is I uh, kind of left school, uh, I have dyslexia, I have a, a learning disability, so um, a bit of a torturous childhood at school, uh, football being that kind of, I think, as you kind of alluded to there, um, it, it's something that, that keeps us all kind of sane sometimes, and I think that's why it's a wee bit difficult for us all at the moment in time, and try to second guess what's going to happen next during a pandemic, which I don't think any of us seen coming, so um, yeah, left shipyards uh, when I was about uh, my mid-twenties, um, unfortunately my father had um, committed suicide when I was about 2021 or something and decided that um with the the big throne of the tools in the Clyde one day that I was going to go back and try and follow a career in in sport or in football and, and do something because it it kind of um was what I loved and um I a number of years later um I, I work at, at the Scottish FA doing a a job that um I'm very honoured and humble to do so Aye, that's that's kind of a wee bit, and then I think John alluded on to about the other three hundred things that I, I volunteer <laughs> or I, or I try and help out in society because I think that's the that's that's probably the right thing to do, um, so to speak. Yeah, I think the main um, thing that probably brought you to prominence um, on social media, certainly um, the first I heard was, was when you did that football save my life video yep. on. Um, the Scottish FA website a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, very commendable for you being so 
brave and open about it. I thought the, Thank you. it was Thank just a, a great video. Well, not no. great the circumstances that you're talking about, but um, uh, you know, you, you mentioned in that football is an escape. Um, yep. Just describe that. Um, I mean, as you say, I remember making this. Uh, I remember. I mean, it's difficult speaking about speaking about those backgrounds growing up, or or what happened to me was was always pretty tricky. And I think I only started to come to terms with it a number of years back, probably having a family and and then having that responsibility of having kids. And I remember saying in a speech one day to and, and one of my colleagues, it was uh, Greg Mailer, who was the head of comms at the Scottish FA at the time, that that football saved my life. And I remember him always following me up on that and saying, do you really mean that? And I, I can remember we had the dialogue and chatting about it. And he was like, he said, that's mega powerful. He says, do you, would you do that? And as you say, the, the, the video went a wee bit tonto, if, if, I'm being, if I'm being brutally honest. But the escapism that I talk about is, or, or what I had was, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of the 70s, so I mean, I, I grew up in the Thatcherism of, of, of the 80s up here, where it, where it wasn't great, you know what I mean, we're going through something that's turmoil at the moment in time, but we were going through recessions and three-day weeks and, and a, a lot of problems, you know I mean, my dad becoming unemployed and, and a whole, you mean, a whole host of factors that society was, was feeling, but for me, it was old school teaching, you know I mean, you were hit, you, you were you were physically abused at school. I mean, I, I, I'm quite open and comfortable to say that when I was in primary one, misbehaving, I got my, my trousers taken down and putting over uh, my teacher's knee and scalped. And if you tell people that, they look at you and they think, nah, you're winding me up. And I go, no, I, I'm being serious, guys. I get punched and shouted at because I have a, a learning disability. Do you know what I mean? And if you think about the way you were treated back then, so football kind of... Um, filtered into my life that you I mean you probably would call it um child abuse nowadays but my dad took me to my first ever St Mum game and you probably go back and go oh, what are you doing dad come on I'm going through enough problems don't make me support St Mum but I always remember it and I think he's alluded to it well there guys in terms of everything that's going on and you're talking about junior football and community football and what's going to happen next and when can we get back but for me I went along to this game and it was like wow I mean there was a big green pitch and floodlights and do you know what I mean? It was old fashioned Love Street. Um and, and I just kinda just went, this this is this is pretty remarkable. It was just about the I think it was about seventy nine, eighty, something like that season. McAvenny was playing for St. Mon, do you know what I mean? These these type of players. And um then it was the eighty two World Cup and I kinda started playing and I'm murder at the sport. I'm absolutely rubbish. But I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love. And as you say, it was this kind of release. I could go on a, a football pitch and, and for that short period of time, I talk about the kind of white lines of safety. When I went across those lines, I could run about and I could I could be somebody else. I could be McAvenny, Kenny McDowell, Frank McGarvey, Kenny Do- I was no anywhere near any of them, right? I was no even, a, I mean, I couldn't trap a bag of cement. But however... You felt you felt passion, you felt this this release, and it kind of just got me through. But more importantly, it was the the people round about the sport. If you know what I mean, these these good natured volunteers, Johnny Bell, and if 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 MDs uh, for the kind of Paisley area or particularly the Hill area, would have known Johnny Bell. I mean, his greatest product was we we James Grady. James is a couple of years above me, but he just put so much effort into making sure that we got opportunities. You wouldn't have got, and that and that just made me passionate about the sport, made me love it, 
Um, and I'm I'm just I'm just so grateful to the, the guys because I think if it wouldn't have been there, do you know something? I have no idea where I went, but um, I I think that that's that's particularly how I fell in love with the sport. Well, that's a fantastic journey. Um, no, don't worry about not being great for Rockies and great company here. Um, <laughs> one, one thing I'm pleased about though for a change is I'm actually uh, not the oldest person on the podcast. Uh, so I'd like to thank you for that as well, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, one thing you also talk about, um, obviously, growing up a St. Byrne fan, um, yeah. you, it was a bit of a housing era for St. because um, you won the Scottish Cup in 1987. Yeah. Uh, by far the greatest uh, football memory of your life? Um, do you know something? Do you know something? It's a tough one. I, I would say I, but um, it's, it's a tough one because. I mean, as you say, I, 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 you, you kind of get handed the baton, don't you? You, you? you get given your team. A lot of people say you pick, but you get given your team, don't you? you, you my dad, my grandfather were St. Mon fans. They, they used to reminisce about um, uh, going to games. And, and you mean, I, I'm talking about growing up in St. Mon were in Europe. You know, I mean, people look at me, you, you're talking about St. Johnston there, but you mean, maybe it'll be the Alan Pardew theory, if you know what I mean, a Charlton when they were people were going, oh, maybe we should get rid of Pardew because we can maybe be further up the, the divisions, if you know what I mean. St. Mon were in Europe. I went to European games. I mean, I seen St. Mon knock teams out in Europe. It was quite remarkable what what kind of happened. And as you say, I mean, the bit that that I remember about the, the the Scottish Cup one, but but maybe I've got a better memory now because the Scottish Cup one was was ironic for a, for a couple of reasons. And this is why my memory maybe have switched a little bit. Was St. Mon won it in, in a course in '87, as you say. But if, if anybody really remembers or knows a bit about history about that cup run. Um, and I don't know if, if I, I, I say, but something bizarre happened in the very first round, or the third round as it was in the Scottish Cup. I don't know if you remember what happened in the in the third round of that one. We beat Inverness, of course. Someone beat Inverness. Do you know what happened in that round? It was quite a significant thing happened. Do you remember? When Hamilton beat Rangers. Hamilton beat Rangers. And what happened during that game? Can you remember what happened? Um, no. Adrian Strutt scored, so was it not like Chris uh, was run? Andy, uh, Chris... Chris um, Woods, of course, beat the goalkeeping world record for consecutive hours of shutouts at half-time. It was nothing each half-time. People forget about that. And then, of course, Raul scored, as you quite rightly say, and it was like a big shock, and Rangers went out. And I always remember my dad saying, I always remember saying to my dad, do you think we could win it this year? And then laughing and going, you just never know, we man. And it was a, a magnificent thing. But I think, do you know something? I would say my greatest memory now, watching St Martin, is last season's playoff. Because I sat with my own son um, and we went to a lot of the games and we went to a lot of the running games. You know what I mean? I, I remember saying to him, if, we're in, if we are in contention, um, going into the, the, the split, we'll go um, to all the games. And we went to them all, apart from the last one, apart from Dundee away, because um, I was going to a wedding. My son went mental at me and said, see if we get beaten, we go down. You're getting it. <laughs> and I always remember going, hey man, I need to go to the wedding. You need to go to your granny's for a sleepover. I'm really sorry. But, but we went to the Dundee United game and to give you a little bit of context of why that sticks in my mind, um, my wife was working um, and it was half term, if you remember. We played Dundee United on the Thursday night up there. And we were sitting in the house and um, I said to my son, said, do you want to go the night up? And he was like, oh, dad, I, I don't know, I don't know. And eventually I went, wee man, what's the problem here? I, I need to get the ball. Why we don't we want to go to the, the, the game at, at, at Tannadice? And he went, well, it's your West Park um, training uh, presentation tonight. I said, so what are you talking about? He said, I'll miss out on my trophy. Because you want to get some <laughs> trophy at the end of the season. I said, to me, man, 
I said, one of the boys will pick up for you. You're kidding me on. And it was like two hours before kickoff. I literally drove to the stadium, picked the tickets up and drove to Dundee, me and him. Um, but then that return leg when it went to penalties and we all remember what the big check wall Vladkaf did that day. It was just an emotion on a roller coaster that that I'll just remember for the rest of my life. I remember getting to penalties and um, I was physically done and I, I was I was I was ready to collapse. But I remember um, I'm going. I don't know how it's going to go, we man. I don't know how it go. I remember Shade, my son, turning around and going like, "Dad, we've got Vladkaf. We've got the check wall. We've won this." <laughs> And I, I remember just just I like and the next thing you mean Dundee, as you well know, played out Dundee United, and it was just a surreal moment. I remember coming home, tooting the horn, was running about the garden for about two days, but it was that uh, emotional roller coaster. It was just staying up, and I, I heard a few people slagging us and saying, "Ah, oh, you know, something that's ridiculous celebrating that." If you'd went through the journey that we had all went on for, for for that kind of short period of time, particularly that day, we just loved it, and that's why we love football. We love it for those. Mm-hmm. Moments in the sun, those iconic moments, those wee memories that we can stick in the memory box and one day we can kind of go, remember that? Remember how good that was? So that now maybe, maybe is just overtaining because it's a personal one for, for me. We never won anything, but we stayed up and my son smiled the next day and he was delighted. Yeah, don't take too notice, too much notice of what uh, Tom English uh, had to say at the end of the season because um, he gets it both battles in this podcast from certain people, won't name who. <laughs> um, but the, you know, I'll be honest, last season, um, two of us in this podcast, um, you know, wrote something off at uh, Christmas and New Year, but um, yep. the other John, um, you know, said all along that St. Murray were going to say something. Um, I always thought like, John, yeah, you did, yep. you did. And uh, so this. Does that make it even more special, given the fact that you were written off um, for so much of the season? It, it, it was a bizarre season, you know. I mean, we went into it, we, we'd won the league, Stubbs came in. Um, I remember um, uh, speaking to um, Stephen McGinn and um, Stephen saying, you know, we, we, we'll do all right. And then the wheels just came off. It was bizarre. It, we, we just, I remember that bet Fred Cop going into that league cup and we just didn't look right. And then all of a sudden, the wheels just came right off, and you, and I kind of remember thinking, oh my god! And then, do you, I mean, Oren Kearney came in. Nobody had heard of Oren Kearney. I mean, a guy from Northern Ireland comes across, and nobody had heard about him, and he was, you I mean, he kind of went, how are we, how are we ever going to get into it? And and I think I remember a few people calling it the kind of moneyball theory. I mean, we brought these players in. That, you know what I mean, nobody had heard of. I mean, I mean, Big Vatclaff came in and Mihai came in at the back and Zoop came in at, at left back, of course. And, and and all of a sudden, we just seemed to to click. And, and you know, I mean, we were, we were drawing games, but people were losing. We were only winning games, we were drawing games and people were losing. So we were clawing our way gently back. And then um, I think we played, if memory serves me right, uh, and I might, be, I might be wrong with this and somebody will criticise me, we played Livy. Uh, we played Livingston and it was pouring with rain, absolutely teeming down um, at Simon Park. And it was the 89th minute. Ryan Flynn scores the 89th minute. It's a, a scrappy goal. And I remember that day we came out, we were all drenched. And I remember thinking, we might just pull this off. We might just pull this off. And we clawed our way back. We scored. It's ironic. A year ago today, we actually drew with Motherwell. Um, uh, Kenny, uh, Kyle McGinnis, sorry, scored in the 85th minute or something. And it, and it kind of just kept us in contention. And the next thing we knew, we were setting bottom. We're in a playoff. And I think people wrote us off then um, and said, you're still doing. And we did it. We, we fought back. And it's just 
it's brilliant. It was brilliant then, um, and I can close my eyes and um, I remember the '87 Cup final as if it was yesterday. Um, but I remember that moment. I remember it more for my for for um, the roller coaster. Thank God my son was there because he he, he kind of held my horn and told me to calm down at points. <laughs> <laughs> Who were your main heroes um, growing up as a St Man fan? Oh, you might have framed off a couple already, but ah, you know, it's a talk. You mean I, I, I'm I'm a real I'm in, I'm in a real fortunate position in my life. I always say, do I mean I've had tragedy and I've 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 been I've been had a roller coaster of, of emotions throughout a lot of my, my life, but um, I'm very very fortunate. Do you know I mean I have met a lot of that '87 top winning team? Do you know I mean I work beside? When I started working with the Scottish FA, um, Tommy Wilson was there and Campbell Money. So Campbell Money's still there. Um, so and Billy Stark works for us um, as well. Um, I, when I was when I was decided to go back, um, Tony Fitz. Um, I know Tony really well. I, I would class Tony actually uh, as a friend. So these guys are are now people. And people always say, don't ever meet your um, your your idols or the people you grew up watching, but. These guys were, were heroes to me. I always tell um, Campbell Money that I could never get his um, Panini sticker album in about 85 or something. <laughs> Steve Clark now is the national manager as well, you know what I mean? So um, so these were guys that I've now bumped into. And, and it's really... I ask him ask a lot of times to tell me stories about those games. I mean, I'll always ask Campbell about stories about um, the, the games we played in. And, and, and it's great to hear it from him. And he's always passionate to tell me. He never... He never Tells me he sawed off, and we man, I've told you that story four hundred times. Um, and Tony Fitz, I can never, um, I can never thank the man enough. Him and a guy called Stuart McBean took a chance on me when I was leaving the shipyards to to help out coaching. And um, Tony's just a great guy. He's just a, 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 he's the most positive human being you'll ever meet in your life. And 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 I just admire him. But I watched him in the '87 Cup final. I mean, there's a wee bit when if, most of my fans will always tell you. Tony actually broke his jaw in January, and um, in the January of the of, of the '87, and, and nearly never made it. He was club captain and nearly never made the game, but was on the bench, and um, came off. I think he came on. I think he came on in extra time. I can't remember. He might actually. I think he did just come on in extra time, but he slowed the game down and he kind of played the, the time out. If you know what I mean. And he actually was really good in that game. But he's an icon, someone, and and I know him. And he, and any time I need to pick up the phone. And give my chat. He's yeah, more my feeling better about myself. So I'm really lucky that these guys are still in my are still are in my life, if that makes sense. And I'm, I'm close to them, and I uh, and I admire them. And and I, now and then I dig out the '87 um, beat a max video and I stick it on <laughs> and, and go, look, we did win it. And it was it was the most. I'm deli- I'm actually saying to people, I hope in all this stuff in lockdown we don't put the '87 Cup final on because it was murder. It was the worst game ever. <laughs> So I'm keeping saying, just gone and open it on because it just would maybe tarnish the memory. So Connie, uh, yeah. it's just a game you won. We, we've been <laughs> so Aberdeen fans. John and me are both Aberdeen fans. So far, we've been subjected to the the loss against Queen of South in the cup, and then the 1991 league decider. So uh, I'll take a, I'll take the worst game ever if they, if it's one that we win to see. You might be true. You might be true. <laughs> nah, don't don't bother because your your last Scottish Cup win and your last League Cup win were both dire games. Oh, they were. I like <laughs> Paul talks about the penalties and watching. Oh, that was just at the end of that match. It was just relief. There was folk that couldn't watch the penalties. Some folk were watching them and then folk, oh, just did much of our emotions. But yeah, I still just feel that that was just a relief moment when we won that as opposed to anything else. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. 
I think I think in Sunday BBC are actually showing um Alex Ferguson's best matches as Aberdeen manager as like a celebration thing. So, um, but St. Mum certainly helped Aberdeen at that point because they gave us um they were a feeder club for a good couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> like said Billy Stark and uh, um, yeah, yeah, he was a Scottish club record signing at the time. I know, I know. Only team ever, only only club ever to sack Sir Alex. Eh? Wait, we're no bad there. Eh? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, see, in terms of the job, and from like the top clubs right down to grassroots. No, my my role. I'm lucky. Thank you. The bits you mentioned at the start. I'm lucky that I don't. I don't deal. When I say I don't deal with the top end clubs, I'm not really involved in the the responsibility of the, the, the kind of the, the top end of the game of what players do that that's that's other people's my my role is very much more community-based grassroots football that, that's really what my role is it's to look and see how we can harness um our game and make our game better at, at the grassroots kind of level how do we get more people in how do we promote the game far better i, I, I think sometimes Particularly in Scotland, we run we run our game down um, because of a lot of things that maybe happens at the, the top end of the game, and we forget that thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, in fact, um, participate, um, are involved, do something in, in in the game. Before I came on with you, I was I was with my my grassroots club that I help out run as well. <laughs> I do that. I'm on the club committee at West Park as well, so. Um, but I was talking to the guys the night, and, and they're, they're all still at this moment in time texting, phoning, engaging with their players just now to make sure that that they're all right because we care. And I think that's what what I want to try and do. I want to try and promote, or, or my job, sorry, is is to get more people involved in the game. Um, and I think what we're, what I what my passion is is it's not. I mean, I was very lucky because I had good people around about me. I was never told that I was rubbish and I couldn't play and, and I was I was sent away. But I hear those horror stories still that, that kids are sometimes told, you know, something, you're, you're too small, you're too overweight or, or you'll no do, don't come back. For me, I have to make the game as accessible at a grassroots level as I possibly can to get children engaged, boys or girls Moving into the para sports as well, making sure that, that regardless of um, any disability that somebody will have, we can make a platform for you to get in, engaged. And then all we go all the way up. You know, I mean, we go up to over 35s walking football. I think sometimes we we forget that what our sport does for society, what what the, what the passion and the enthusiasm that that you would do. And, and my wife always laughs at me when when. I, when um, when the, the games are on, I take my son's team and like my son gets up, me and my son get up earlier on a Saturday than he does to go to school to get, <laughs> to, get to his games, if you know what I mean. So he's going, do you know what I lie in? I'm going, no, 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 we need to go. Come on, let's go. Let's hurry up, hurry up. Mum, mum, we'll get out. And he's bombing out the door. We'll get stripped on him and we're away, regardless of weather. And um, I watch all these wee young kids that we take and and, and thousands more that, that I'm privileged enough to, to hear stories about. But it changes our life. It makes them feel good about themselves, and um, and and that's it. To make to make that game wholesome as, as best that I can is is my passion because I, I believe it can make a difference to society. Yeah, that, that, that's all. Um, 
that, that is a, uh, amazing what you're all doing. But I think you go sometimes beyond that. Um, because I, I read the story about uh, the, the Tim Fenlon fan, Ollie Young, um, who yep. and uh, Gary Dempsey intervened to you know arrange a kick about, and then you reached out to offer yep. him a mascot for the Scotland Israel game, which sadly got um, postponed, uh, which yep. I was supposed to be going to, but who knows what happens. So hopefully that um, he'll get the no. chance to lead the players out that day when it you, eventually happens. You talk about something there, I mean, in that one, I'm, I'm gutted because we knew we always was going to come along that night, and and, and I might, one of my one of my other rules at, at, on national games is, is I actually I actually am, I'm responsible for doing the player escort, so I actually get that. It's one of the most privileged things I do. I volunteer on match day to help out there, but um, I'm responsible for making sure that the the 22 mascots and flag bearers um, are there and, and we get them down. And it's like it's like watching it's like watching a dream unfold in front of your eyes. You know I mean and, and again you know I mean you can run. You can run the game down, MD can run the game down and, and say that Scotland's rubbish or the teams are rubbish or, or, or products poor or anything. Tell that to an eight-year-old who's holding the Scotland captain's hand walking out, boy or girl, men's squad or, or, or female squad, it makes no difference. Uh, and, and I watch their faces light up and I watch their parents' faces light up. So they come in and we take them down and then I'm very, very privileged. This is probably the bit that I, I kind of sometimes stand and I, I do pinch myself. I stand in the tunnel before major internationals and, and I, we line the, the kids up and, and they come down, the players then come down and of course hold their hands before they, they go running out and you just, you just see you just see the biggest unbelievable smile I mean I've stood I've stood in there when um, uh, I, 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 John McGinn's normally last out and, and a boy came running and I remember this wee boy's face just looking up at this player and going, you're John McGinn <laughs> <laughs> McGinn's just looking down at him and going Aye, last time I checked with man, you all right? Aye, 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 good, good one, one, let's go. And you just look at, we, I mean, one of the, one of the young girls, she she um, she um, she said her, her hero was Lauren Shanklin, I think it was a San Marino game, and she got to go out with Shanklin. And it was just like, she, I mean, her mum emailed us with this lovely message saying, she hasn't shut up yet. Um, <laughs> we can't thank you enough. And you forget that, I think sometimes we forget that passion, that enthusiasm, I, I, I get, I get, I get, um, <laughs> I get a lot of banter sent my way from a lot of guys. But I talk about the magic dust. I talk about this magic dust in football that you can throw over somebody. And I, I don't believe that it's children. I believe it's MD. I talk about the that Dundee United penalty shootout as if I'm a five-year-old. But <laughs> it's, it's magic. You guys talk about it there. Why would you do this? Why would you? Baller coming on here. You talk about Aberdeen games. We love the sport. We're passionate about it. Um, and, and my role is my role is to inspire. That that's simply what I have to do. More of is, is is make sure that we inspire a generation to love the game. So when I'm um, too old and or, or six foot under, that somebody else will go and do that and hand out that hand of friendship to another wee kid and go, come on, I'll look after you. I'll make sure you're all right. So that's 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 the magic of our, our, our beautiful sport. So you mentioned about the bit about Ollie, but we changed that wee boy's life, and, and Gary has to be commended for what he did to help. Uh, battle something that, that's really poor in terms of bullying, racism, anything like that is, is poor um, and we have to challenge those those norms, so to speak, and, and, and that's what we try and do, that's what we try and do, and we just continue to battle away and do as good as we can. Yeah, my, my niece was actually um, a mascot at one of the games, the Russia game, and uh, she, she had a great time, and my, my sister was proud as punch being her mum, you know, seeing her daughter on the pitch. That was for her birthday as well, so no, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. 
yeah, your magic dust uh, suggestion is probably better than mine, but I talk about certain goals being orgasmic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mine I can use in playgrounds. <laughs> I will, I. <laughs> it's just got quite an easy job, though, because the magic dust is just there. All you need to do is create the opportunities. I think that's the tough bit, but I think that's the tough bit. I think you're you're absolutely right. We have the magic dust creating the opportunities. I think I I, I maintain this that Scotland and you mentioned it right at the very start, which is quite that a lot of us a lot of the clubs rely on people going to football because we love the sport. We love we love sport. Sorry, but we're not a sporting nation. So when I am very privileged, I get to go to to a number of other European countries and watch, and they are sporting nations. They have infrastructure that's designed to allow people to participate in sport. I don't think we still, maybe at a government level, maybe at some other levels, really understand that to if we invest properly into a sporting infrastructure, we can make society or we can make the health of society or people better. But I still think that we battle against a number of challenges in there. So you're 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 a hundred percent right. The, the, I've got I've got an, an easy job, but I've got a really tough one about investment. How do we make? How do we put more facilities? How do we make the facilities as good as they can be? How do we help people? How do we how do we do these things that uh, that kind of goes? But I mean, you're in a background of other things. I mean, people will then talk about money into the health service or potholes in the road or housing or homelessness or poverty. So I understand that, but I genuinely believe that uh, that sport, and I'll probably, I'll probably look at it kind of what Mandela did in, in talking about how sport speaks to a population. Um, I, I, I kind of use one that um, I was very privileged to go along to a project that, that some of our guys did and it was celebrated last year with, with some of our Syrian refugees. So we've got these new Scots that come to our country and you think about where they leave. Some of them are leaving war-torn countries, bundled in a plane, don't know where they're going, land here. But a common language is football. A common language. They don't need to speak in our native tongue just now, but they understand the sport. And I don't think there's anything in the world that can do that. So we can put a couple of jackets down. We don't need to teach too many rules. People can go on. And one of the guys told me a story last year about he he had a number of Syrian refugees that came to the club. They it helped the families integrate because they could get involved and so on and so forth. And it'd been going on for a few months. And he turned around to one of the boys and said, "Look, would you like to? Um, why don't you bring some of your other brothers and sisters along?" And one of them went, as deadpan as he could be, he said, "They all get killed in the war." And he went, "Oh my God, why did I say that?" But we forget. But this sport allowed these new Scots or, or, or refugees to come to our country and, and feel accepted and into it. So I, I think sometimes we forget uh, that, yeah, somebody will go and score a goal in a, in a, in a Scottish Cup final, which is, for me, I had my day in the sun in, in, in 87, but every day a child's life or a, an adult's life or something gets changed um, for the better. And we should always we should always harness that. And, and I think that's your right. So I will. I will still be the, the pan piper. I will still jump up and down. I'll shout as loud as I can, and I'll I'll keep charging on until somebody maybe listens to me, or until somebody says, "Stand down, we man. It's your turn to move on, or go back to the shipyards." <laughs> so no, that that's you're right. I think the infrastructure thing is a is a big thing, but to make the difference. Yeah, one one of my friends is actually um put put forward a question. 
Paul Johnson um, about the coaching approach. Um, he just he, he ends the point by saying uh, we need more qualified coaches and proper coaching from male ages. Now I get that again that's a budgeting thing, but um, is that something that's a bit concerning that we don't have as many qualified coaches as say like Norway and Sweden, who are similar sized countries to us have. In fact, I think Iceland might have more than us. It's a, it's a challenging question in terms of what you what we what we, we class as qualified, um, because we're we're very fortunate in this country, and sometimes we we forget that from from one of our ENAs or Scottish Youth FA, one of our mandatory requirements is if they has to have done um, our 1.2, um, so they have to have done 15 hours of coaching qualifications before um, before you can go go through, and also all of our police checks and. Uh, our child wellbeing courses and everything else that goes on top of that. So I think some people get, we, we talk about those kind of B-licensed coaches that, that, that they go, but you also then would, would kind of look and see what what most clubs have. So we're very, we're very fortunate that we have a lot of good volunteers. Now, our country is built on volunteering. Uh, if you if you if you if you were if we were having this podcast and and some of the old iron block countries volunteering doesn't happen it just doesn't happen they don't have as big a participation levels as we can get because we rely on the good nature of volunteers so what i think we have to, what we're trying to continually do is maybe change the narrative slightly and the narrative is is about maybe do you really need to coach a five six or seven year olds or do we need to let them have fun and that's what we're trying to then then do. It's more about maybe harping back to that kind of street football. And that's really difficult. Because if you think about it, if you are a good-minded volunteer, and a very large percentage of our volunteer workforce are parents, and they're good-meaning, lovely, good-willed parents who are giving up an astronomical amount of time and resources. But they probably do what was done to them, if that makes sense. So they all think about it as, or they all watch it from the Sky Sports or, or Jamie Carragher aren't they, and, and Gary Neville. But sometimes it's really difficult to stand back and just simply be that person to say, do you know something, I'm going to put two goals out here and I'm just going to let you play. And I'm just going to be the, the security guard. If there's a fight, I'll break it up. And I think they're the, the different, and that's the bit that the challenges we're trying to put over to more of our coaches is maybe you need to hark back to some of the, the street football and then we can add a bit of the salt and pepper in and, and start to go and when players then migrate into a performance pathway um, in terms of club academy that's different and that's the same as performance sport whether or not you're going to be an athlete 800 meter runner or a boxer or, or whatever you, you're going to have to dedicate a lot more but for me in terms of what I do it's very much about making children enjoy the sport and then playing those hours and hours of games and th- and that's what I'm a big believer in. I'm a big believer in playing games not maybe doing hundreds of drills maybe just relying on on that games and, and, a, and, and a bit in there and, and I'm very fortunate I work beside a really good guy in terms of Greg Parson who's the head of our coach ed who really is kind of innovating a, a lot of our coach ed theory to try and change a lot of people's mindsets on what we're trying to achieve. Salt and pepper, code word for uh, magic dust. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. No, the magic dust comes first. The magic dust comes first. The salt and pepper is just tidying it up a little bit. I think that's all it is, isn't it? It's just telling you can do it, and I think that's the big thing, isn't it? We we live in a we live in a nation, a Scottish nation, sometimes that you can, and I, and I don't believe that. I mean, if I mean, I was told that 
as a nine-year-old because I have a learning disability that I shouldn't dream high and I would never make it in anything in my life. That was by a teacher when I was nine. Um, and I don't believe that of, of children. I believe that we have to inspire and I believe we have to, to challenge. And and, I, and I'm, I'm very privileged. I have went through this kind of journey again with my, my own son's team and, and I watched some of the kids um, and I've had some of them now since my, my, my son's 10 now, but I've had some of them since they were about four or five years of age and I've seen them fall over at four and five years of age and trip over cones to now we've just kept encouraging, we've kept believing them, we've kept telling them they can do it, we believe in you, you can, and I've seen some kids just totally develop, but more importantly, I've seen parents come back and go, I don't know what you're doing with them, but it's unbelievable, they're out in their back door, they're, because we haven't ever, ever used a negativity word, we've never said you can't, or you're rubbish, or anything like that, it's always positivity, and, and, and maybe that comes from my, my engagement with Tony Fitz or other people, that I believe that if you believe in people and if you give the right structures, people can go and live their dreams. Now, their dream might be that they might score a goal in a game, but that's their dream and, and, and we should never take that away from them. So, yeah, you're right. I think the bit of salt and pepper is just, can you use your left foot? Because it's not just for standing on. And it's one of the ones we always just kind of go, your parents have bought two boots. Can you use what? Bathe them, please. So, <laughs> but it's it's humour, it's banter and it's, and it's giving children that opportunity to dream believe in themselves and, and, and live the best life they can and if we can play a small part in that brilliant absolutely tremendous you know that story about the teacher the story about the teacher telling you you can't is just one of my bugbears I don't think it happens as much now um, as it did when, when you were at school when we were at school um, and one of the stories I always remember best and they, do, they use this more and more now is just people coming in and making people more aware of, of certain learning disabilities and mental health challenges and stuff like that the one I had at school um, that always sticks in my mind and this will fit perfectly what you're saying about dyslexia and what it means you can't was when we had Jackie Stewart come into the school yeah, uh, yeah, and he 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 was the one telling us all about. I'd never heard this lecture up to this point. I was in high school by that point, um, and I came out of that thinking, well, he's he's the he's the ultimate proof. And this is a guy who was who was such a tremendous racing driver in F1, um, and he suffered from dyslexia when he was younger. So yeah, I've, I've met Sir Jackie a, a couple of times. I'm I'm very very Sir Jackie is actually the president of Dyslexia Scotland, and um. Uh, I mean, the first time I ever met him was going in the, the, the Parliament building. I was running late one day and I, I came charging in and sweat pouring off me and dumped down in the cafe in there to meet the, the guys in Dyslexia Scotland. I never met Sir Jackie before and I sat down and said, I'm really sorry I'm late. And this guy turned and said, do you fancy a wee half of my Empire biscuit? And I turned around and it was Sir Jackie Stewart. And I nearly <laughs> fell off my seat. <laughs> I never took the Empire biscuit, but I was I bottled it. But you're right, Sir Jackie always talks about this. Sir Jackie tells numerous stories and I've been very privileged to to have lunch with him and, and listen to a lot of the stories he tells but he tells me he still can't use an iPhone or, or touch because he can't still spell he can't work numbers out but if you put he says if even if you put him on any track in the world that he drove he would get you around it because he can still remember every turn or in turn so it's about learning differences it's about then going there and and, and it's probably something that do you know something that I, We're, we're, we're living through a crisis that, that just now, but we're living through something that's quite remarkable, that you're watching children all learn in a different way. 
and you're watching people all the time at Oldham University just now. So I, I, I'm quite, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm a great believer in maybe we need to shake up our education system and look at how we learn and how we educate children or what we do in our communities differently. So Sir Jackie always talks about that. Sometimes just telling that's the only way to do it. It's maybe not right. Maybe that. Maybe if we if we'd done that, then we wouldn't have invented the light bulb or we wouldn't have got to the moon. But sometimes creativity is so so important, and that's what probably harping back to my point about coaching. It's it's giving people the tools, the correct tools, but also giving them the the ability to believe in themselves and say just leave it as a game because that's what they want to play. And if you do that, children become creative and they make up their own rules, and that's fine. We all did that. We all went round the back shops and got a ball doing and invented games. And and that's 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 what life should be about. It should be about nurturing and, and inventing things that, that, that then allows young people to go and develop. And, and if we can have a semi-structure round about that, then I believe that, that more people will develop better. See on the travels that you've had around Europe and stuff like that, looking at different coaching methods and development, is there anything, something particular you think should be incorporated into Scotland? I, I think if I think if we can, I think if we could maybe look at, and you mentioned it before about maybe the same size of nation, but definitely some of our Scandinavians, I mean our Norwegians and 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 the Finns and even the Netherlands and, and Norway and, and places like this. I think that I think there's a lot to learn about how they have structured a lot of their things, how they've structured community sport. And I, I mean community sport. Um, if, if you're if you're a, an advocate of, of European history, you look at uh, Finland. I think in the 60s and 70s was the heart attack capital of the world. Luckily enough, Scotland managed to beat them at that, and we managed to overtake them. But um, but at that point in time, what they looked at was community-based sport, and they really did look at it being community-based sport. And I think there's maybe a challenge that, that we still have maybe given to us from a local authority or a leisure trust point of view rather than community up. Um, and it's something that I'm, I'm always really amazed about when I go across and see these big infrastructures that, that, that Europe's got. Germany's the same. There's big community clubs in, in all their areas. So it's, it's something that that, that I really admire and I think we're getting there, we're slowly getting there, Spartans mod is getting there, I really like with the guys at Spartans and, and, and Dougie and that are doing, I think it's, a, it's testimony to what can be achieved but we do need to, we do need to take a quantum leap and, and really believe in these things and uh, I, I, and I think they are the things that, that, that kind of community based model and, and doing and doing stuff like that is, is, is certainly something that I think is, is a journey we need to go on. I think we've lost John maybe temporarily. John. No, no, I'm still here. Um, still yeah, um, technical issues. <laughs> I'll explain later. <laughs> uh, do you want to move on to the quick fire stuff then? Or shall we rename it slow fire stuff? Because someone mentioned that the quick fire stuff doesn't, uh, isn't actually that quick fire, so. We call it slow fire now. Change it. Yeah, go for it. Um, I've got a different quick fire question to start off with. Um, so, um, talk us. What's your um, favourite St Burns strip of all time? Oh, definitely the 87, 87 Clydesdale one. Definitely got to be Pinstripe, magnificent. 
Love it. I liked seeing your stripes and Friday thing on Twitter. That was pretty oh, good. That was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Cannot thank every fan that donated. But three grand raised in that one day, so cannot thank every month fan. It was awesome that day. Absolutely awesome. Just needed that, I think. If they just needed how we lift that day if you were a Simon fan. Just a, t- a chance to get a, t- get a top on. Yeah, I know. As well. <laughs> Apart from as you said at the start, being in Zoom meetings with Owen was a wee bit strange. <laughs> Again, a wee bit of bother with people going, I thought you might have been neutral, wee man. It's <laughs> <laughs> been your favourite. Favourite. So you go, Chris. Yep, go favourite already. You asked already. I'll come back in a minute. <laughs> Paul, we were asking you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I missed it. I missed it. Sorry, apologies. <laughs> sorry, it is talked at the same time there after a brief period of silence. Um, now, all I was asking is, what was your favourite away day? Oh, favourite away day. Oh my goodness, uh, Livingston Mon Livy last season, I think it was three one we won. Um, and the reason being is that oh, can I change that? Sorry, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to go with this season actually. Sorry, I nearly forgot about it. Motherwell, St Mon Motherwell, Scottish Cup replay, 4-4, went to penalties. Oh my God, that's still to this day, um, it's still a bit surreal. So no, if I go with that, I think that was that was pretty surreal. That was pretty surreal. <laughs> still is when I think about it. That was a bizarre midweek because these two went to the rugby park game the following night. That's right, that's the same. right, that's right. Aye, and then you just put it out. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so where would you put the, the 2013 League Cup final one? Oh, that... It was a better game than the Scottish Cup final. It was, it was a much better game. I mean, it's, it, I, I, try, I, try and, I try and blank it out because my son would have been about... My son would have been two and a half at the time and I always remember moaning at my dad that he never took me to the Anglo-Scottish Cup fight, the Anglo-Scottish game that, that we beat Bright, uh, Bristol Rovers in. Um, and I always moaned at him about that and I never took my son to the game. Um, and he still, to this day, has never forgiven me. But no, I, I, it's 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 tucked in there. It, it, it's tucked in there. It's maybe a wee bit lower down um, than than the other ones. But I think that's because the the other ones, maybe the Dundee ninety one last season, that, that I lived and breathed that with my son, which is which is quite a, 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 an amazing memory. Versus um go, going to just with a few of my pals going to the, the two thousand and thirteen one. But it's still up there. I mean, it's still a cup. Um, I know Stephen Thompson quite well, and and I bumped into him a couple of times in a chat with him. So for for that team in particular, some some good players in that team actually. It was a very good team we actually had back there, Teal and uh, uh, John McGinn and, and a few of the other lads in that that team. So it was a, it was a really good, <laughs> it's actually a very decent Simon team, and we we did quite well. We did quite well in that game. Decent semi as well. Favourite memories of Love Street? Um, Favourite memories of Love Street? Maybe the last game I was there with my, my friend Fraser Robertson, which was which was um, fantastic. Um, maybe a European night. Maybe Mechelen. We beat, we beat off a of Mechelen. Um, Mechelen, actually, believe it or not, went on and won the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, we beat. Um, but I think uh, uh, Mechelen potentially or... I'll put it down to one of the European nights, a Tromso, a Mechelen, definitely not a Hammerby when we managed to throw away a lead in the last two minutes 
um, and turned around from a 4-3 aggregate win to a 5-4 defeat, which is the only way someone can do it. But no, the old stadium, the old stadium, I don't think you can go back. The old Love Street and the old North Bank um, was great. So no, maybe one of the European nights. Do you miss it? I, I don't. I, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I, I was never a season ticket holder uh, there, um, and I sporadically went to the games because growing up it was always difficult. Um, I mean, I played a lot, and, and when my dad died, I didn't really have any. All my mates don't support someone there. They're all um, Celtic fans, so I'm now a season ticket holder. My son asked me. My son always, I always remember when we won the league. My son said, "Can we get a season ticket?" And I remember buying it. And I'm coming home and going, look, we've got our season ticket, we man. And I remember I'm turning around and saying, brilliant, that will guarantee us tickets for the Champions League. Because I, <laughs> I think he thought we were in such a run that we would win, <laughs> win the Premiership. He's been more at Tony Fitzpatrick too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony was a one in the World Cup if we could do it. But I've now got a seat I sit beside the away dugout and, and I've been there for the last couple of seasons um, as a genuine paying season ticket holder. So... Um, yeah, I missed, I missed, I missed the, I missed the, the memories maybe. But if I probably was to go and go back and stand there in the cold and somebody sell, sell me spearmint chewing gum and macaroon bars, I probably would go. No, nah, I don't really like this. Versus my own seat, that's my seat now, and, and my son sits beside me, and, and I know the people around about me. So, so I think somebody mentioned it to that that New St. Mon Park is now becoming kind of home. We've been there well over a decade now, so. I think we're starting to feel it's our stadium uh, as opposed to St Mon was just an old-fashioned, iconic stadium, wasn't it? It was just one of those archetypical grounds. But nah, I, I don't, I'm not too sure. I, I miss the memories, but maybe I don't miss the ground. I think oh, the new stadium would be good for the Junior Cup final. Ah, well, it's been used a few times for, for a lot of things, yeah, yeah. Love Street will always be fondly remembered. Love Street will always be fondly remembered. Uh, certainly by Celtic fans. I'm working day to day. And so I was day to day. No comment. <laughs> Favourite pies at football? Steak. Always. Steak. Always. 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 Apart from my son makes us eat to get hot dogs, which is. No a bizarre thing, isn't it? It's a hot dog, no pie in a bovro anywhere, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best opposition player you've ever seen? Uh, best opposition player I've ever seen at St. Mon. Ruud Hulett. played in 77, didn't he? He was, he was there, so that would be that would be up there. So, well, I mean, you've got to think Larson, Loudrup, all of these type of guys. Um, oh God, that's a great question. I think you go with, with, with some of the big, the big ones, the gas coins or the, the loud drops or the, um, are, are, are the, easy, the easy ones, I suppose. I'm trying to think of some of the, the ones that came and haunted us sometimes, you know what I mean? But that's, that's eluding me. It's funny. If anybody ever asked me that, I've seen Ronaldo and Messi in the flesh. So you have to beat both of them. And my answer is always uh, Carazares, the Valencia keeper. <laughs> favourite beer? Oh, favourite beer. Guinness. Well, I'm a Guinness drinker. I don't really like beer, so I'm a Guinness drinker. Guinness. Not that I drink that much, mind you. 
And if you've been listening to the podcast um, intensive, intensely, Paul, um, you should know this has come up. Uh, name the best St Mirren team from your lifetime from the day you first started supporting the club to the oh. present day. Oh, right. Well, best team, I would have to then go with Campbell Money and Goals has got to be a it's got to be a given. I think Steve Clark's got to go in there at, at one uh, fullback. Um, I'll put, I'll put because he. Well, I've got to be careful here. I've got to maybe put some work colleagues in here just in case they come <laughs> back and haunt me. So I'll put Ian Ross. And uh, and at the other one, I think you'd have to go if 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 you're if you're any. I don't think there's any better centre back pairing than than Winnie and uh, Neil Cooper. I think we definitely need to be the centre back pairing. You would, gosh, we've mentioned them a wee bit, haven't we? We'd need to, you need to get Billy Stark in there, wouldn't you? You need to get Peter Weir in there in the midfield. Uh, Fitzy and Abba would need to go in, and Billy Abercrombie has to go in because <laughs> you just need to be fearful that Billy Abercrombie might come and kick you in the middle of the night. So, <laughs> so I need, I'm, not, I'm not scared of Billy Abercrombie. Well, I'm terrified of Billy Abercrombie. Every day I speak to is terrified of Billy Abercrombie, even, even players in his own team. We're scared of Billy Abercrombie, so I think you would need to put maybe a, maybe a midfielder, maybe a midfielder Fitzy, Billy Abercrombie, uh, Starkey, and uh, who did I mention there? Who yeah, did yeah. I mention? Peter Weir. Yeah. Uh, that's not a bad one. Forward line would need to, forward line's a, a, a real tough one. Forward line's a real tough one. I, I have to go with I have to go with one of our, one of the guys I grew up. I mean, God, that is a tough one because you wouldn't. I'm going to bin. I'm going to bin, and he'll, 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 if he ever hears this, he'll, he'll, he'll shoot me. I'm going to bin Stephen Thompson. I'm going to go with a big fan's favourite, which is Goodman or Torfesson. Big Goonie. Mm, oh, I remember him. I yes. Against like man, has to get in a team simply because his free kicks were awesome, and particularly his free kicks against Hearts over the years were even better. So has <laughs> to. That has to just to annoy Hearts. Nice driving here, they scored at Celtic Park as well. Oh, aye, aye, the one made me... Nice. So I, was, I was going to put Thomas Stickrot in, but people forget about Stickrot. I, mean, I, actually, I actually was thinking the other day, you put Victor in the team, but people forget about that, that we actually signed the Spanish captain at one point um, as, as well. Um, I'm binning Steve Archibald as well, because he was murder close for us and scored about half a goal, I think, against the Airdrie one day. Um, <laughs> Wheels have been through our door. You kind of go that, you know what I mean? Jemba, Jemba. You know what I mean, we've got some some absolute, absolute crackers or absolute horrendous signings. I actually had Chick Charlie in at one point as well, but no, yeah, been him as well. Um, so I would I would put I would put Goonie up front, and then you have to go you have to go with with one of the icons. You have to put Macker in there. You have to put Frank Macaveni um in there. It's not a bad side. It's not a bad side. If you've got Macaveni and um. And Goonie up top with Peter Weir putting the ball in and Starkey. God, you've got a wee chance. You've got a wee chance. And a good well, there's your Champions League team. <laughs> that, 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 team. that team could maybe win the Premiership, I think. I mean, Campbell, big money would maybe have thrown one in, mind you, but oh, it's no it's no glory. <laughs> or get knocked out during a game. But no, there you go. It's not a bad it's not a bad lineup. It's not a bad lineup, isn't it? Oh, that's that's a pretty good team. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I should probably explain the, the, the Billy Abercrombie comment because my dad reckons he punched him when he was at school. <laughs> and, 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 what, and a game of football, he, he, he was in goal. My dad was in goal, and he was playing against Billy Abercrombie. He came out to punch a ball away, missed the ball, punched Billy Abercrombie's dude. Oh, well, Billy Abercrombie will probably hunt you down. <laughs> if you ever listens to this, he'll chase you down one day and attack you. <laughs> I'm only joking. Oh, but if you listen. <laughs> so you got him? Um, <laughs> so he's saying, "Dad punched me." <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we we published a, um, a podcast eleven on uh, Twitter. Um, it needs a coach, so now we've got a coach on. So Paul, you're the coach of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would that would be that would be horrendous. That would be horrendous. I don't think I could coach MD. <laughs> Would you play Kevin Harper at seven half, seven and a half? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, I don't care. Kevin Tward would be pleased with you asking him to play the wing back shift. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a winger in his day. I wing back's different, but... Aye, but there's protection in the midfield that he can just focus on going forward. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, any other questions, Chris or John? We usually end with the best 11 these days, but sometimes we go for a tangent. Star Wars Day. Oh, aye. Yeah, Star Wars fan. Oh, big Star Wars fan. Yeah. Big Star Wars fan. Big Star Wars fan. Maybe get Darth Vader in, in, in goals. I mean, that would actually no bad for the Scotland team, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's only the force to get a ball out. That's no cheat. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Yoder in midfield, isn't it? He's where we were a poor man's messy, wouldn't he? Yoder in there, isn't it? Star Wars, isn't it? Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewbacca. I think we maybe get Chewbacca at centre back. (laughs) Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars versus St. Martin. Oh, I'm tough, tough. The rookie pulled his arms off. There you go, we've got got a start in the world, isn't it? Big Chewbacca and. Sent a bat against Israel. Got a chance then. <laughs> Campbell Money saves a penalty from Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jar Jar Binks is the game. That shows that you're not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, don't knock Jar Jar Binks. He's, he's about to look it like if Ronaldinho. So. <laughs> but I was a year ago. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thanks very much, Paul, for coming on. Pleasure, guys. Pleasure. Uh, thank you very much. Pleasure, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Stay safe, all right? I'll catch you soon. Yeah, Cheers. you too. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. guys. Speak to you soon, all right? Take care. Watch yourselves. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs>